Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. The Chinese president has warned against a new Cold War. Speaking at the World Economic Forum at the start of 2021, Xi Jinping said that to reject, threaten, or intimidate others will only push the world into division. But what does a Cold War involve? Is the current relationship between the United States and China? Comparable to the tense standoff between America and the Soviet Union, which lasted for almost forty years. Joining me is Professor Steve Sang, director of the SOAS China Institute, University of London. Steve, the Cold War was an era of fear. How do you feel now, looking at the current relationship between America and China? I'm much more worried now, because in the original Cold War. The Soviet Union and the United States had protocols how to manage their relationships. They had conflicts, but they were proxy wars which they could manage, and therefore the risk of them directly getting themselves into a war that would get out of hands between them was relatively under control. In the present situation, we are dealing with the United States and China. Engage in issues which will affect them directly, and in some of those matters, both sides would see that as of vital interest to them. So, even though during the Cold War the Soviet Union and America didn't fight each other directly, they were heavily armed. They were ready to respond to any attack, and they were also. Proxy forces fighting in other countries on their behalf. How does that compare between the situation now between America and China? And you are absolutely right that in the original Cold War, both sides were very heavily armed, and the doctrine of mutually assured destruction was very much at work, and that was exactly what helped them to prevent. An unintended escalation of any proxy conflict into a direct confrontation between the Soviet Union and the United States. Now, the situation between China and now really is very, very different. The big issues between China and the United States has to do with the geopolitics, as well as the fact that they are now very. Close economic integrations between China and the United States, which simply did not exist. We have here a dispute over Taiwan, which both China and the United States see as of great strategic importance to them. A place where the Chinese government lays claim as its sacred territory, Taiwan, whereas the people of Taiwan. Feels that because Taiwan has not for one single day been under the jurisdiction of the People's Republic of China, that it really is, for all intents and purposes, an independent country. And China therefore wants to get Taiwan, and the Chinese government under Xi Jinping is ultimately prepared to use force to get Taiwan. The United States. Has passed a law called the Taiwan Relations Act 
by which the United States government is committed to ensure that the people of Taiwan can determine their own future, and if they were forced to change the status of Taiwan against their will, the United States would come to its assistance. So you see where it's coming from, that we are dealing with some place which both countries will see as fundamental to their strategic importance. And this is the kind of things that could potentially lead to an escalation of a direct confrontation which did not exist between the United States and the Soviet Union in the original Cold War. Yes, I can understand that Taiwan might be a flashpoint. And it does remind me a bit of the kind of tug of war over territory and influence that used to exist between the Soviet Union and America. But I think there's a difference now, isn't there? Because uh, the Soviet Union was not as important to the United States as China is now. So how do you think the situation economically affects the relationship? There was really so little economic links between the Soviet Union and uh, the United States that economic relationship was not a major consideration. But now the economic relationship is a very important part of the consideration in relationship between China and the United States. They are so well integrated economically that the idea of trying to disentangle the relationship is going to be very difficult. And the idea that if they were engaged, they were to engage in a military confrontation, that it would be at a acceptable level of losses in terms of economic and other links would be very difficult to conceive. Now, the question therefore then is, will the economic trade financial considerations be sufficient to deter a war? Here, I think um, in the short term, probably yes, but over the longer term, the risk that it will not be sufficient is high. And that is why I am more worried about the situation now than I was of the old Cold War. The phrase you used was detangling. Another phrase that I've heard is decoupling between America and China in terms of business and economics. Donald Trump suggested that the US wouldn't lose any money if it disengaged from China. What's your view about the economic impact of disengagement, decoupling or detangling? Donald Trump is almost certainly wrong to assume that any kind of economic decoupling between China and the United States would be cost-free to the US or to uh, China. It will be costly on both sides. The real question there is, whether it would be much more costly to one party or to the other. But having said that, I think we also need to recognize that the so-called decoupling was not an invention of the Americans under Donald Trump. Uh, Xi Jinping started it way before Donald Trump got onto the center stage of American politics. Back in 2013, less than one year after Xi Jinping came to power, 
Xi Jinping already issued something called document number nine, in which he outlined clear instructions that China should prepare for some kind of limited decoupling with the Western world in order to make sure that China will not be vulnerable to Western influences or be uh, unable to stand on its own two feet. So that process, I think, is going to happen um, with or without Trump, not least because uh, the Chinese government under Xi Jinping will push for that. And after the last decade, opinions in the United States has shifted and there is a much uh, more generally accepted view in the US political establishment that the United States had previously been too soft on China and must now take a more robust view and must now protect American economic and other interests from China generally. So we are going to see some elements of decoupling happening. Question is how fast and how extensive it will be. Well, I agree with you that many American politicians say that they want to be tough on China. And yet many American and international companies have got extensive business interests with China. It's an important market. So what does their presence there tell us about the attitudes of business leaders towards Beijing's policies? The big businesses in the United States are probably the most powerful lobbyists, um, not intending to work for the interests of the Chinese government. They are there to lobby for their own interests. But because of their investments in China and trade with China, what they advocate would be very welcomed in Beijing. And they certainly would have uh, an impact on US government policy towards China. But with the um, move towards a new Cold War, I don't think we are in a new Cold War yet, but we're moving into that direction. I think the uh, US political establishment is likely to continue to take a robust position in spite of the lobbying by the big businesses in the US. So what about President Joe Biden's so-called Asia czar, Kurt Campbell? Do you think his view of China appears to be in keeping with the Cold War mentality that Xi Jinping was talking about in his Davos speech? Xi Jinping was talking about belittling others and uh, bullying others. That is not something which I think one would apply to either Joe Biden or his so-called Asia Tsar, Kurt Campbell. Uh, from what we know, Kurt Campbell in particular is a very, very professional diplomat who feels that the United States should hold a robust line towards China, but he's also prepared to engage with China to find a common way forward. And they're also very focused on working with airlines. Yes, I think that's one of the strong messages which is coming out of Washington since Joe Biden's inauguration. 
that the United States wants to repair relationships with its allies, especially its allies in East Asia like Japan and South Korea? The Biden administration is so much focused on working with allies that it cannot be trying to belittle and bully American allies, whether they are in East Asia or in Europe or elsewhere, in order to form some kind of common position in dealing with what they see as challenges thrown up by the Xi Jinping administration in China. To me, one of the most alarming aspects here is the arms race, because China's raised its defence spending substantially. It's modernising its military, particularly its navy, as well as the cyber force, as it calls it. The goal, according to the Chinese government, is to scale up training and battle preparedness. They're talking about considering worst case scenarios. I'm worried that all this preparation for war might spill into a conflict. The Chinese government under Xi Jinping has made it very clear that they would like the PLA to prepare to win wars, not just be prepared in the events that war should happen. And the build-up is meant not only for a general build-up of Chinese military capabilities across the board, particularly in power projection capabilities, but also specifically for the taking of Taiwan. No country has, in the last 30 years, invested more in building up an amphibian assault capability than China is currently engaged in. And therefore, I think it's reasonable to expect that sometime in the next 10 to 20 years, when those capabilities are fully in place and ready, that the Xi Jinping administration may well want to use that to take Taiwan. And that is the kind of scenario which can escalate into a conflict between the United States and China. So lastly, Steve, let me ask you how you think China sees its destiny. Do you think it regards its ascendancy over the United States as preordained? What's China's dream? Well, the China dream, as it is now known, is not the dream of the Chinese people developed and evolved in an organic way. It's not also multiple Chinese dreams. It is the China dream as defined by Xi Jinping. It's a dream of national rejuvenation. And if we look at the kind of speeches that Xi Jinping had made, for example, at the 19th Party Congress in 2017, when he became the supreme leader in China, he made it very clear that by the time he is finished with China, he expects China to be rich, powerful, beautiful, and in effect, second to none. Xi Jinping does not see China's ultimate rightful place as just being recognized as one of the top powers in the world. It is 
the top power. Thanks, Steve. And you can find out more about the SOAS China Institute, which is home to the largest community of Chinese studies scholars in Europe, on our website, which also provides information about courses, events, and research. The website is SOAS, that's S-O-A-S dot A-C dot U-K. Alternatively, you can type SOAS China Institute into a search engine and it should pop up straight away. But until next time, that's all from us here at the China in Context podcast.